0: If you're concerned about the distribution of your hard work, don't sweat it because Anchor takes care of that too. If you're considering becoming a podcaster, I would highly recommend Anchor as your choice to begin sharing your content with the world. What up, Get Up Nation? My name is Ben Biddick, and I am the host of the Get Up Nation podcast and co author of the book Get Up The Art of Perseverance with Adam Greenberg. Welcome to episode four. Today I speak with Robert Anthony Rodriguez. He was kind enough to take some of his travel time between Denver and Manhattan to share with me how a below the knee amputation became one of the best things that's ever happened to him. Keep listening to hear how amazing experiences and opportunities he wouldn't have had otherwise came his way. While only running on one hour of sleep, he highlights how he is connecting, encouraging and inspiring people to find the good inside of adversity. Robert competes in American Ninja Warrior competitions, sitting volleyball, U.S. amputee soccer, sled hockey, basketball and more. He also helped create the organization called Limb Possible. This organization was formed to inspire, develop and bring awareness to communities about amputees due to trauma, disease and birth defects. Their message is, anything's possible, and positive mental attitude. Members of Possible currently train and compete in events and athletics in New York City. Some are training for the Paralympics, scheduled for 2020 in Japan. Robert has been recognized for his motivational speaking, as well as by East Coast Orthotic and Prosthetic Corp President and Co-Founder Larry Beninati, for his work to inspire and support others with disabilities. Daily Robert works with prosthetic patients, advocates for them, and participates in monthly amputee support groups. Check out Robert's social media for a number of inspiring vids, stories, and posts. Robert, welcome to the Get Up Nation podcast.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I know you're busy right now. You're on the train, and uh, you're crushing it out there, putting in work every day to to help people. And so I really appreciate you taking time out to speak with me. I'm very excited to have you on the show. My understanding is in the United States, there are over 2 million amputees, and every year there are an estimated 185,000 limb amputations.
0: Can you take us through
1: your story and tell us about the loss of your leg? Uh, absolutely. Uh, so I was amputated when I was uh, 10 months old. My mother found out that uh, I was born—I was going to be born with a birth defect uh, while she was pregnant, and she began to try to exhaust options. Uh, but this is 1987, and, you know, without the power of the Internet and, and that access, she just only can take the advice of the doctors and uh, the people in the family around her. So uh, at 10 months old, after my deformity, I was born with two toes, uh, no ankle, and just a tibia, and I was amputated at 10 months old. Back then, uh, the technology was a lot different, the prosthetics were a lot different, and you know, just be sitting here at 30 years old, it's just a night and day with what's out there and the things that the that prosthetics have allowed me to do because of the increase in technology and uh, the innovation. So, but back then, 20, 30 years ago was a lot different, and there's a lot more amputees now where it's a little bit more accepted. Now, sports are a huge part of your life. How did your love for sports help you cope with the loss of your leg? Being young boy, just trying to compete with your friends, let's say, you know, at recess or on the playground, you know, you just want to be fast like everyone else. You just want to kind of fit in. You want to be one of the best basketball players or football or baseball uh, or what have you. And, um, you know, I came from Hempstead, New York, in Long Island, where uh, parts of it, you know, is just not the best area. But my mother, uh, she tried to do the best that she could to give me a, a great upbringing, and she sent me to private school. But sports were my outlet um, for for trouble and for that environment. I always just stayed involved in sports and, you know, kind of kept my head on straight. As your love of sports continued through your life, what got you to the point where you wanted to create When Possible? Just kind of really explain. My my leg, I didn't really put it out there as much, so, you know, I kind of hid it for a long time. Um, I was on the TV show Ink Masters, uh, the tattoo show, and they did uh, tattoos on prosthetic legs, and that kind of opened up my eyes to use my leg more and to, you know, to kind of get my face out there and to kind of motivate more people. I was doing it for music um, at that point in time. So uh, Ink Masters allowed me to say, you know what, let me get more involved in this community, and once I... You know, just then and then I had the power of Google. And once I started doing some research, I found AMP1. I found uh, CAF, Child Athletes Foundation. I found many support groups. So I started participating, just started volunteering, started uh, becoming more involved. Then I got certified to be a peer advisor. And, you know, I took took the class, got certified, and really began going to the hospitals. Again, at the same time, I found AMP1. So I was playing playing at a high-level basketball that I never thought I'd be able to do with other amputees. And then I was volunteering at the hospitals. And it was very new to me, but I knew I wanted to make it a career. And I, I kind of felt like I was on to something. So I just continued to pursue that. And Amp One is such a great organization. Um, but we were doing about four or five trips a year. And we were affecting so many people, so many kids. And uh, I was, you know, I kind of took it upon myself and the guys that were in New York to kind of create something that wasn't just about basketball. And we were motivating, we were really going into the schools, we were creating a program, we were doing adaptive training, we were doing camps, uh, Camp the Limits, and uh, playing sled hockey and, you know, pursuing Paralympic Dreams. And that's how we came up with Impossible to encompass all that we were doing in the amputee community and to kind of do it on a bigger scale.
0: Now, now your, your work is having a powerful effect on people who are adjusting to life with a disability. What is important in that process for people to understand as they cope With the loss of a limb? Um, So, I
1: mean, well, the most important process from my perspective uh, as an advocate listening uh, for those who are undergoing the situation, you know, as far as whether it's trauma or whether it's, you know, a disease, um, it's not easy in patients. One thing that I try to advise to move is because you're in a hospital bed and all you're thinking about is, you know, walking or getting out of the hospital bed, but then you might end up going to a rehab. And then all you want to do is get out of rehab and get on a leg and walk and get back to some type of quality of life. And patience is the key. You know, a lot of people are scared of the journey, which they're every right so to be. But uh, the biggest thing is patience because our minds tend to move faster than our bodies when you're – Especially going through, you know, suffering the loss of a limb, and for friends and loved ones of a person who has lost a limb, what insights do you have for them so that they can be a real and true support? So, uh, the biggest thing about when you're when you are losing a limb, um, it's the it, people around you because we always focus on the patient, but it's actually the supporters around them who are extremely important to the process who help them. You know, like I said, find a good rehab to be in, or help them with their insurance, or help them get up and down, you know, out of the wheelchair. You know, I, I meet people with families, and they stay with their family members the entire day, the entire night. They sleep in the chair next to them. So you you start to when I do the support groups, I start to realize how much support not only the patient needs, but the family members around them. And uh, what I usually tell them is also is to be patient and to do research, because now you have this person who's undergoing. This and they're trying to wrap their mind around losing a limb. So the, the family's job is to really do as much research as possible. That means for maybe the prosthetic company um, for rehab, for physical therapy, you know, for other resources, for nurse support groups, you know, technology, you know, uh, just kind of what they would need to do to help their situation, even the living situation. You know, uh, some people even you know, have to alter their homes because, you know, now this is a, a big adjustment to everyone around them. So it's, it's a team effort. I try to give as much support to those supporters as well. What do people who have not lost a limb need to understand about those who have? The first thing is not everyone is a veteran. So, so one of the things that happens a lot is people you will know, see my prosthetic and they will say, hey, uh, thank you for your service. And you, know, you say, did you serve? Um, it's the first thing that they do. You know, that they say, and that's okay, uh, but you can't make that assumption. You know, actually, over 50% of the population is from diabetes. I'm just trying to let other people who who might not be familiar with dealing with amputees or even if you come across someone with an amputation, um, or even if people around you, I've been in situations where, you know, mothers, their children have pointed at me and uh, the mother gets embarrassed, I mean, you know, amputees are having a disability. It's not even just about being an amputee, it's just like anyone else. I mean, we, we... you know, we live and breathe really the same air as everyone else, and the biggest thing is just to be kind, respectful. If you have a question, don't be afraid to ask. You know, most of the time, you know, an athlete will tell you their story. They're happy to tell you their story. Some people might say, "Oh, you know, okay, I'm just going to keep to myself," and then that's fine. But the biggest thing is just be polite, courteous, and you can ask. If someone is listening to this right now who has a disability, and I'm a, I'm especially thinking of children or young people, what would you
0: say to them if they're dealing with bullying, teasing, or cruelty?
1: So I, I really so again, the youth, which is what I love, because I grew up this way, and I know how hard it was. It wasn't always about my disability, my living situation, my family. (laughs) We were all over the place. So I kind of know what these kids are going through. This day and age in society, you have the kids are more confused. There's too many options. So back in the day, it might be left or right. Now it's, you know, left, right, middle, Uh, You know, there's so many things, and the kids, I believe, get confused. What I try to tell them is to stay positive, positive mental attitude. So, you know, despite anything that might be happening around you, uh, the one thing that you can control is your attitude. And I feel like if we teach the kids that, how to control their emotions and their attitude, they'll be able to approach things differently. They'll be able to make better choices. If we give them confidence, you know, now, then they'll be able to carry that on in the future when they become adults. Uh, this, this way, no matter what the world brings, because we know it's constantly changing, that we try to prepare them as best as possible. And you can't do that with, um, you know, money or or certain things. that have to be done with something I believe, which means the character. You know, so if you build a strong character, they'll be able to take on any task and be successful at it. And these kids are our future lawyers, doctors, presidents. Uh, these are the people who are going to run the world. So we want to make sure that we set them up best as possible, motivate them and give them opportunities. How has your disability made you powerful? My disability is the best thing that has ever happened to me. And uh, it's so weird saying that because I've spent over two decades wishing it never happened to me. Uh, but where I stand now at 30 years old, uh, as a husband, a father of two children, and uh, being able to support them by, by my disability, you know, that's my full-time job. I don't know where else I would be. I don't see myself doing anything else. So it, it's really empowered me because it's given me a voice. And I've always felt deep down that I was supposed to do something special, to help people, and just kind of just be the best that I can be. And uh, I always like the spotlight and, and things of that nature. So uh, you know, my has allowed me to do that. You know, as an athlete, you know they say in the NBA, there are only 400 jobs in the NBA a million make it, and your parents tell you that for any sport, that you want to, you know, kind of play professionally, and with my disability it has allowed me to be a little bit different and play almost professionally. I played NBA at times. I've met a lot of famous NBA players. Uh, you know, I play on the USA soccer team, I'm on the USA development team, um, so I just – we're volleyball, so it's just – so many things that my leg has allowed me to do that I probably wouldn't have the chance to do um, if I did, you know, if I wasn't same. Can you describe something that has impacted you as a result of your work to serve the amputee community? Oh, <laughs> I have a ton of stories.
0: But I'm going to with
1: the most frequent, I'll go with the most frequent, it is uh, currently right now I'm helping uh, a woman who is 88 years old. Uh, her name is Jane. She is a beloved in the amputee. And she is just – I've helped her uh, – to my company, uh, East Coast Orthotics so and Prosthetics, and we help her with our prosthesis. But what I do after, you know, we deliver prosthesis to a patient, I'll go to the home or I'll go to PT with them, and I work them out just personally, one-on-one. And Jane, who's 88, has now gone from a walker to a cane, and she just took our first 20 steps on her own. Um, we're, you know, we're building it up every week. And I'm just wow. so proud and so honored to even just be a part of that. So, you know, I recently won, you know, the the National Employment Disability Award, and, and I've been doing some great things, And but just working one-on-one and watching this 88-year-old woman continually just fight and to not give up. And when I'm working her out, she's like, "Let's keep going, Robert. Uh, yep, I'm not tired." And she does anything she can. And she works. She does, she follows what I tell her. She really follows the regimen. I have people half her age who <laughs> don't follow the regimen and don't aren't doing it as well as she is. So she's made wow. great progress, and it's, um, I mean, it's beyond inspirational. That's the, that's right now, to me, is second to none. So is there anything you want to share with the world about your
0: journey that we haven't covered here yet?
1: I just want to say I, I really appreciate everyone who's uh, supporting me, following me along my journey. i are going to continue to work, be as best as possible, and to show people that anything is possible and that you can do whatever you want if you put your mind to it and you stay consistent. So I just would like everyone to dig deep within themselves. Believe in themselves, and whatever your dream is, follow it. Um, I'm putting my dream out right now, and actually, I still have a long way to go, but I want everyone to know that anything is possible. Great. Okay, Robert, I always end the show with six quick fire questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. What specifically are you thankful for today? My wife and my kids. Who specifically that you're thankful for today? Uh, my mother. Uh, so it was not for my mother. I would 1000% not be lying. How do you fuel the fire within you? I love what I do, so that's the that's the first thing. I just I'm actually I'm going off of I guess an hour of sleep on the plane, so I got off the plane. I just flew in from Denver and right back to it. Even you know, I just left it and coming right back to it in New York. I'm on the train headed to Manhattan. Um, it's just the process. I love the process. And just in case when I do kind of get down and out, or if things kind of seem like it's a little little too much, I might you know feed myself with positive motivation such as. You know, podcasts or watching videos or watching other speakers, watching you know, feeding good content, so that this way I use it as a boost, you know, to know that I'm on the right path and that other people are out there doing it, and that it's you know, I'm not alone, and you know, positivity is out there. So just continue to feed positivity when I feel the urge of negativity. Coming. What is one thing that adversity taught you to value? Adversity has taught me to value time, uh, being patient. Adversity is something that should. just think that it's either going to go away, Um, it's a process, you know, sometimes, you know, some things are faster than others, but just even with my leg, it took me time to get to this point, and I needed to be patient with myself, and the more patient that I am with myself, the more that I, I get to, you know, figure out who I am and my strengths and my weaknesses, so adversity has kind of taught me a lot about myself, but most of all, to be patient. What are you doing today that you never thought you could? The, the USA thing is, is, is probably the top tier, and I'm still not really there yet. You know, I would love to make the national team for 2020 in Tokyo, um, but I am on the USA soccer team, the NPT soccer team. So that is a uh, super exciting. Um, I think that's probably something I'm still not sure about, and uh, that I need to kind of find more motivation to know that I can do it because I, as much as I try to prove to everyone else, I also have to prove it to myself. So, uh, but yeah, the Paralympics, and when I go on these trips and I train with the development team, yeah. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't even believe I'm doing this. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's right now to date, that is just unbelievable. And then my final question, what will you do tomorrow that you never thought you could? I'm planning a huge trip, trip. and uh, I said it in one of my other interviews to Africa, and with Limpossible, I never thought that the business would be, not even a year old, uh, next month is the birth of the idea. And uh, so the business and the brand is brand new, and, you know, tomorrow, I, I believe that uh, the possible will go further, and it's really going to be a dream come truth, to just kind of watch it blossom and boom. And one of the things to add to that is my mother. When I was younger, she used to say, you know, I have a feeling you're going to start a company. The company is called loose and free." <laughs> and so laughing, we're standing here, the company is actually impossible. Um, her and I talking about this as a kid, so that's a... Uh, so, you know, my future with this is just—it's bright. I love it, Robert. It has been amazing having you on the show. Where can people learn more about you and your organization? Uh, yeah, so you can find us at uh, impossible.com or any and everything on social media. Impossible. Uh, you can look me up at the letter R, the letter A, the number five, and the IVE. So that's at RA5. And uh, yeah, I'll follow you back. And I just love to connect with people. So any questions, anything that I can ever help out with, especially pertaining to the youth and helping out in the community, uh, I'm here. So uh, anything is possible.
0: Thank you, Robert, for taking time out to speak with Get Up Nation. Everybody check out his organization, LimPossible.com. He's also on Facebook, on the page LimPossible. And Instagram as R A the number five I V E. If there is anyone listening who has ever been made to feel ashamed or less than anyone else, you have to watch Robert's YouTube video called Robert Anthony Anything Is Possible. That's a must. Also, as of today, Lim Possible is at about the $600 mark, trying to raise $1,000 on GoFundMe.com under the Lim Possible campaign. Let's help them meet their goal because doing that puts light into the lives of children and adults who may be reeling from a disease, birth defect, or traumatic experience that has taken one or more of their limbs. Let's empower Robert and his organization to help these people overcome the challenges of losing a limb, to find strength and support to cope, and then the power to be unintimidated and unashamed as they persevere past cruelty and pain into their new normal to achieve their goals and aspirations. Get Up Nation, comment, share, like and reply with ways you are taking your adversity and all of its fury and trauma. And transforming it into your greatest strength. Get up, Nation, keep going. It ain't over yet.